It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good morning. This is the Friday Fireside, and we are here with Tom Weiss. I got that right. Chief Data Scientist for MarketCast. Tom, how are you? Very good indeed. Good morning, team. Well, it's uh, afternoon for you because you are in uh, sunny old, merry old England, right? Something like I that. I am indeed. I've been stuck here for over a year. <laughs> how, how, how is it going there? Yeah, well, I, I actually I had my second vaccination this morning. Uh, Good for you. Which, and, one? you know, Which one? Which one? Uh, AstraZeneca. Okay. Uh, and the pubs are open, so you know the sun is out. You know, so you know it's almost like we're back to normal, and we we soon will be. And here are the states. Uh, we're in the same the same boat of something like seventy percent of the population has gotten at least one vaccine. There's an interesting statistic, and you're a stats guy, uh, and I've kind of been waiting to hear that. The infection rate among the broad universe is way down, right? But the infection rate among those who have not been vaccinated is as high as it's ever been. Yes. It's just sort of interesting. Um, And, you know, stats being stats being stats. Okay, so data or data. Uh, is it data or data? Come on. Oh, it's both. It's both. Okay. All right. With a name like Vice, I can't really, I can't really complain about how anything is pronounced. <laughs> okay. First of all, uh, give us a little bit of background on, on, on where you've worked. I know you were at Inkscape for a while. Just give us a little bit of where you were before MarketCast, and then we'll get into what you're doing now. Absolutely. So physicist by training, spent lots of time building things that Calculate, you know, this is basically we uh, measure little particles and we have lots and lots of them, and then suddenly ended up in media. Yeah, ended up in media writing a recommendation engine, doing that, then got into market research, spent some time at GFK, uh, and then we then I got involved in Inkscape. Well, actually, Inkscape before it was Inkscape, when it was cognitive networks, uh, looking at could we take this crazy idea that Zev had around uh, smart TV data and actually make it look like Nielsen ratings. Uh, And I guess history shows that we did. We did the right job there. Uh, And then after that, I found it it had been so painful trying to hire data scientists in San Francisco and New York. I thought, well, hey, could I come back to the UK, hire data scientists here, train them up on the US uh, media market and uh, get them doing projects from here. So that's what I did for many years, commuting to New York, San Francisco, uh, and now I've been back home, and we joined MarketCast about six months ago, I think. Okay, so by the way, journey. let us acknowledge you are my first guest who's actually worn a Hawaiian shirt on camera, so thank, thank you, you very, very much, much for that. <laughs> okay, so I was intrigued when I went to the website and looked at the description of MarketCast 
and I keep seeing the word fandom. So let's first begin with a little bit of definition. How do you describe a fan or fandom? So I would say a fan is someone who loves something. Yeah, who feels passionately about it. Yeah, uh, you know, that can, you know, movies. I mean, obviously, we know there are people who are fans of movies, fans of movie stars, fans of musicians. Yeah, but also, you know, there are people who are fans of brands. You know, it's not just Harley Davidson fans who get brands tattooed onto their skin anymore. Yeah, uh, and you know, people, why do people choose Pepsi or Coke? Yeah, they taste the same. Uh, they do it because. No, they, they don't. Pepsi is a lot sweeter. <laughs> the, uh, they, but that, exactly. The, the fans don't think they taste the same. Right. Okay. So then when you look at fans, there are, there's a value and a passive fan because yeah. that's someone that if you find what they like, ergo the Baltimore Orioles, you can talk to them about the Baltimore Orioles and they'll listen, right? And, yep, and maybe they'll act. But then there's the fan, an active fan. I don't know what your definition is, but in, in my side of the world, these are people who kind of become evangelists. Yep, they want to share. They want to talk incessantly about they're, what they're fans of, right? They're the super fans. Is that what they are for you, super fans? Absolutely, super fans. Super fan will evangelize. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you've got the definites who's always a fan. They're, you know, they love the brand. They love the... You know the, the the property they love whatever it is yeah uh, the most there are the people who aren't a fan yeah or there are people who are the probables yeah uh, and you know the, the fascinating thing from a marketing perspective is you know the, the most important groups are actually the people who aren't fans and the people who are probables yeah okay uh, you know you don't need to reach the guy who drinks pepsi every single day uh you know, you need to reach the person who might buy Pepsi once a month. Yeah. And uh, you want to make him do it today. So you're then reaching people who are not yet fans and trying to convert them? Or they might be a fan. They might be, you know, they might, they might be a fan of something. It might be related. You know, but I mean, you know, fandom absolutely is a horror, is a hierarchy. Yeah. Uh, okay. so, you know, if you're a real fan of, you know, so let's say you've got, well, we, we can talk about movies. So if you take someone like Fast and Furious, yeah, I think you know, season, not season, episode nine is coming out this summer. Okay. Uh, I think it is only nine. It probably feels like a bit more for. Yes, some, it feels um, like about 28, as we said. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, some people are fans and the fans are always going to go and see it. If you're a fan of the franchise, you're definitely going to go and see it. Yeah. Uh, However, the people who might have been fans of earlier ones, but probably aren't a fan anymore, but they're really open to fandom. Yeah, uh, you know, they're really interesting for each. How can we actually turn them to people who will go and watch it, and we can win their fanship back? Yeah, how can we get people who are, you know, who have got, you know, similar fandom? For example, you know, maybe they they loved Charlie's Theron. Yeah, uh, but they're not really Fast and Furious isn't quite their thing. They don't go for cars. How can we convert their fandom of Charlie's Theron into fandom of Fast and Furious? So that, those are the kind of questions we're really interested in. Okay, yeah. okay. so in a franchise like Fast and Furious, um, you have people like my son, who was a car nut, who, as we talked before, he loved the idea that in the first movie they took uh, relatively inexpensive Japanese cars, Hondas and the like, uh, that were referred broadly as ricers. And, and somebody could drop in a turbocharger 
and a tailpipe the size of a sewer pipe, and all of a sudden you had a hot rod. Absolutely. Then all of a sudden now the movie went to Tokyo. And there was something that I saw, and I was sort of, my, I, I'm a car guy also, I guess that's where my kid got it. And I watched a little bit of Tokyo Drift, which might've been the second or third one in that series. And I kind of went, eh, what was that all about? And I lost interest in Fast and Furious, okay? Now you were a fan, but you're not I was anymore. a fan and they lost me. So mm-hmm. how do you get me back? How do you, first of all, can you determine that I used to be a fan? So it's really, so again, it's, it, it, it's really hard, you know, so it's only really the super fans who will talk about their fandom on social media. Yeah. Uh, TV, you know, yeah, we can spot that because, you know, you've got so many, we can look at Inkscape data, we can look at set-top box data, we can see, you know, we can tell if you're a fan of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, movies are harder, yeah, because, you know, the real fans probably don't wait for them to be on broadcast TV. They've already watched it. They've already got the DVD. Yeah. Uh, you could look at DVD sales, but again, that's not very available on granular data. Location data for theatrical, if you have it going back that far, it's quite hard actually to ascertain exactly who is a fan of a franchise. Yeah, uh, and that's you know, I mean, I guess you know, the, the the heart of what we do is we look to try and combine big data sets that tell us about you know what individuals do with you know market research that tells us about what they think and why they might do things. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, what, what the, the, the kind of approach we take on, you know, working out, are oh, you a fan? How can we convert you? you know, hopefully we'd have researched someone a bit like you, yeah, who used to be a fan and we'd be able to work out, okay, so what are the, what are the clusters of, of fandom around Fast and Furious? Yeah. Uh, lapsed fans is a big segment, as you would expect for something that's been running for such a long period of time. Then we'd look to try and understand, you know, lapsed fans, what are the things that they're going to be interested in? You know, how do we get them back? Who do they tend to be? You know, are they male? Are they female? What age are they? Yeah. Uh, this is kind of what we start to think, you know, how, who are the different groups of the fandom? How can we do it? Then how can we actually reach them? And how can we try and win you back? Because, you know, we want you to, if I'm, if I'm running this film, I want you to go and watch it. Okay. So in my case, you might be able to make a connection between the fact that I might have been a fan of Fast and Furious, but probably more easily identifiable, I tend to buy Japanese cars. Yep. Okay. Toyotas. Now, Fast and Furious has now moved from destroying Hondas to destroying Corvettes and other kinds of things. But at least at some point in time, uh, they were all small, compact, high-powered Japanese cars. That should be a data set that's pretty easy to get to, right? It should, absolutely. So, I mean, car purchase data, you can absolutely get. You're, you're restricted on exactly what you can use it for, yeah? Um, but you, you can't use it with competitors, funny enough. Uh, so you can't, uh, you can't sell Honda purchase data to uh, Daimler. Yeah? Okay. Uh, but you can, you, can you, you could use it for something like that. So, you know, those are data sets that are available. Absolutely, you can see car purchase data. But then what you need to do is we need to tie it back to the what and the why, yeah? So, you know, and, and obviously then indicate, say, so, you know, we'd look at that, we see... The guy's a bit of a car nut, yeah? So therefore, if we're going to be trying to get you back, we want to be showing you the scenes with cars in it, yeah? We, you know, we don't need to show you, you know, Charlie's Theron or, you know, Vin Diesel. We need to show you the cars. We need to show you what's happening to them, yeah? And then we need to be able to find you, yeah? Uh, so, you know, social media, you know, that would, you know, again, it's an interesting one. I think most of the time people end up buying that action movie segment on Facebook, 
uh, and letting Facebook optimize it because you know that's what Facebook does well. Right. But a little bit more granularity, you can say, okay, I think I think Facebook would probably know you're a car enthusiast. Yeah. They so do. Could, they 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 flood me with car stuff. Yep. Like so we could car stories, right? Absolutely. So you could identify. Okay. You know, let's say we'd have six different segments. So lapsed fans probably like more likely to be car enthusiasts. Yeah. So we'd have messaging for lapsed fans, car enthusiasts. We want to show them stuff that you know reinforce what they used to see in the early days of the franchise. You know, leave out the new elements. We want different messaging, different creative, and we want them to know that there's a new movie coming out this summer. You know, okay. that would be so the messaging for them. Where in the process of let's talk about the Fast and Furious Nine. Uh, developing the film somewhere along the line, the producers said, okay, uh, we want Vin Diesel. We want Charlize Theron. We don't need the rock anymore. He's off doing other things, uh, doing another movies with Jason Strathern or whatever that guy's name is. Statham. Uh, Hobbs and somebody or other, right? Anyway. No, he's another, he's another hair, fully challenged Brit. Okay. So, but the producers might say, who do we want to bring in as commercial partners into this movie? If we're going to select cars to fly out of airplanes and run off buildings and all the things that they do in those movies, um, is there a decision about which cars they should use based on who has the larger fan base? Does it, do you get into that level of, of granularity in the pre-production process? So, I mean, most of the work on, from the market side, we're occasionally on the pre-production side. We tend to get involved when they start to think about, you know, promoting, which is normally when they try to work out what are we going to do for the first trailer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, at that point, you know, the movie is made. Yeah. Uh, or at least quite close to being made. Right. Yeah. Uh, but all we can do is we can pull out, you know, these are the bits of this trailer that resonates really well with this kind of audience. Yeah. This is what you should be pushing more of. This is what you should be pushing less of. You know, I think occasionally that might have an impact in how the final cut of the movie looks, but primarily I think they're quite separate processes. Okay, so you might get involved in, and I'm going to stick on the car things. Um, one of the cars that they destroyed in the early movies was a Toyota Supra. Toyota now has a new Supra out, and they spent a lot of money tuning the sound of the exhaust. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Superb. Now you're talking about a trailer. Yep. Would you be in a situation to recommend to the producers that, you know, that sound at one hour and 10 minutes and 33 seconds of that super exhaust, you need to put that sound in the trailer because that's like candy to your target audience. So what we would typically do is we would test a variety of different trailers. There you go. Yeah. Okay. okay. And we would then be able to say, well, look, okay, the trailer where you put that exhaust sound in, and we are hypothesizing here. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
this is how well that scene resonates with these different audiences. Yeah. And again, we're looking at people who are absolute fans and we know that they're going to go. Yeah. Because, uh, yep. you know, got to pop with the fans. Yeah. You know, if you take, you know, something like Cats, it didn't pop with anyone, even the Cats fans. Yeah. Uh, so you've got to pop with the fans. But then the trick is having something that pops with the fans, but also gets your probables up the line. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, Fast, it's all about the people who, for example, like John Cena, but I've never seen a Fast movie. Like Vin Diesel, don't generally like Fast. Like Charlie Theron, don't generally like Fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just need to look at which part of the trailer pops with these different groups. And the first right. thing is, is, okay, this is how to make the best trailer. Take these bits together, the creative guys come back, and you've, at the end, you've got something that resonates really well with all of your audiences. Would you make a recommendation that you test three trailers and number two in that had a higher probability of being shared on social media by your super fans? Those, those being the ones who are more likely to share, give them, you know, red meat to... Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Social media activity, likelihood to share. These are absolutely key, key things. You know, well, one, of the, one of the things, of course, is testing a trailer isn't something you can do at massive scale. Yeah. Uh, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's highly sensitive. Yeah. Because you know you've got material from an unreleased movie. Yeah. Uh, that you don't, you don't want, want it getting to out. See, you know, it's got to be done very securely. So therefore, you know, the volumes that you can do, you know, are are smaller than you might do if you're doing, you know, mass market research for something else. Yeah. So you know, the the, the trick is really being able to do it. Uh, you know, with a small enough sample size that you can actually get down to the granular details, but also doing it quickly enough. You know, what you don't want to do is, you know, you get people working on the trailer, you do a bunch of different cuts, and you don't want to then have to wait five weeks to find out which one's better. Ideally, you want to you know, do the do the different cuts on a Friday. Yeah, you want to come back on a Monday morning, be able to see which ones work better, and then immediately start to refine it. That's that's very much. You know, speed is very important in this process. All right, let's 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 change uh, direction here a little bit. And I got to pay attention to time. I'm having way too much fun. We're we're running through the clock. You do you work with a lot of sports teams, or at least yep. market? Yeah, we do. Okay. Now in the U.S. market, you know that we now have a spotty pattern of legalized betting on sports. Yep. Available in uh, Pennsylvania, but not in you know not in Jersey. Those you know. I might no, have back no, absolutely. Okay. Do you help not the sports teams necessarily, but the broadcasters, the folks who have the rights to transmit those games? Do you help them identify using roughly the same technology uh, fans to not only watch those games, actually subscribe sometimes to the services that have those games? How, how, how do you work with sports? What does that feel like? So, I mean, generally when we're working with sports, it's much more straightforward. It's all about who are the fans, you know, why the hell aren't they watching on live TV as much as they used to, yeah? Uh, and it's actually about finding out that, you know, yes, they're engaging, but they're following it on social media. They're following the game on social media. They're watching it on a streaming service. Yeah, they engage in different ways. So the questions that we get from the, the teams are far more about how is this behavior changing, yeah? Uh, Gambling, I mean, gambling is, is an interesting one. It's one of those ones you've got to be very careful about consents. It's regulated. Oh, yeah. oh, God. It's regulated. It's regulated slightly more. So, Great. for example, I'm not, I'm not sure if the InScape uh, data set has enough consents for you to be able to use that with gambling. I'd, I'd have to get legal advice 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Off that question. Uh, okay, so 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 talking about sports, and obviously I'm a, a Baltimore Orioles fan. And by the way, if you live in Baltimore, one of the phrases that you have to learn and repeat frequently is "Yankees suck." Okay, is your you're actually not allowed to leave your house in the morning if you don't shout Yankees suck at the top of your lungs. What really interests me is most of the people who are playing baseball yep. are in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. And if you look around, I can't find a single one of those players for my home team, the Baltimore Orioles, who has an Instagram account. How can that be? The, the, the leagues are dying to bring fans to the games in the stands or on TV or something, right? And these kids who are playing ball are, in fact, the target audience, but they're not managing to get these guys out there, and they're guys in baseball, it's very interesting. guys they- out there and, and you know use their popularity to build audience, to build fans, to get people to pay attention, just astonishes me. If none of them are on there, they're, they're, it must be something that contractually they don't, they're not allowed to do. Yeah. And then that's idiocy on, on the part of the league. I mean, yeah. my God. It is, it is strange. I mean, have you seen the, have you seen what the, what the NBA has been doing with NFTs? The NBA does a terrific job on social media. Yeah. They are. So, I mean, they've now launched uh, non-fungible tokens, yeah, where you can buy virtual trading packs. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, generally, you, I think they cost about 15 bucks a pack. Right. Yeah, you open it, you get three cards. On on average, the card is worth about the three cards are worth about fifteen bucks. But some of them are trading for sort of two, three, four, five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're really, really doing a superb job of engaging with that younger audience through a medium that you know actually the older generation doesn't understand. You know, why would anyone pay two thousand bucks for something that isn't even a real thing? Yeah. Uh, but actually, they've engaged totally with the younger fan base. Uh, and the younger fan base is still engaged in, you know, baseball, football, basketball. But they just engage in a different way. And, you know, really, just because they're fans doesn't mean they have to watch live broadcast anymore. You can, you know, fandom, me, fandom means you can engage, you can exercise your fandom in different manners. All right. We're out of time, but I'm going to ask you to do one thing. We have people who are watching this program, which will air on Friday. That's why it's called the Friday Fireside. And and they're going to say, how do I discover whether or not I have a hidden cache of fans for my product, my service, my network, my program? I don't think there are fans of the Hat Channel, but maybe there are. How, how do I discover that? What, what advice do you give to people who are trying to figure out, can they grow their business by finding and working with their fans? So I would say, if you've got a compelling, if you've got a proposition that people don't need, yeah, uh, then it's got to be driven by fandom. Yeah? Okay. You know, if you're selling gas, yeah, uh, at the end of the day, anyone with a car, they've got to buy gas. Uh, uh, but if you're selling something they don't need or they've got a lot of choice, it's going to be driven by fandom. And you've just got to understand exactly why people are passionate about uh, what you're selling, yeah, what you're offering, what your service is. Yeah? Uh, and you've got to work out how you can get more people like that. That's really the trick. That's the trick. 
And almost by definition, if there are companies and products who have survived the pandemic, uh, their fans might be one of the primary reasons that they're still alive today. They are, absolutely. And you know what? Unfortunately, everyone's behavior has changed totally over the last year. Uh, so you know, any assumptions you thought you had before the pandemic, uh, you need to rethink them. And coming out of it, it's going to be it's a new world. We can see it already. New behaviors. Uh, people are ready for the roaring 20s to come back, but it's going to be different. Absolutely. All right. Well, guess what? We are out of time. So Tom Weiss, uh, Chief Data Scientist for MarketCast, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Rick. It's been a pleasure. And I'll say, as I say to all my friends as we leave, just be nice to each other.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.